Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Church, it's been good to celebrate the gospel this morning. Um, I don't, I don't know about you, but um, if that stuff that we've just done in singing and uh, witnessing new life in Christ through baptism, if that doesn't make you dance in a hurricane, I don't know what will. Um, that, that's, that, that is awesome. But as I was, as we were singing that last song, before we move into the preaching and everything, as we were singing that last song, um, I was praying and I just, I felt the Spirit um, leading. In this service, and I, and I want to ask you to just bow your head for a moment. Um, I know this is a random spot here to do this, but maybe you're sitting here in this, in this audience today, and you don't really know what we were celebrating. You don't understand why we're singing about surrendering to Christ and the cross and celebrating what Jesus has done on the cross. Maybe you're witnessing those baptisms and hearing those stories of the children and the youth and college students about new life that they found in Christ. Um, I want you to know that the, the, the reason that God has you here this morning, if that's you or you're, I've never responded to that. Um, he, he has you here for a reason, and the reason is to hear that message, that Jesus loves you, that he cares for you, that he willingly laid down his life to die on the cross for your sin, to forgive you of all your sin, that you can have new life in Jesus Christ. And so maybe you were sitting there this morning and you just didn't really understand it all. Um, and you're, you're wondering how you could have that life that these people are singing about and sharing about. Well, it's found in Jesus. And, it, and if you, maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. What I want to ask you to do is, if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. This is not a special prayer or anything magical in these words. This is really just you praying to God um, and asking Him to be your Lord and Savior. To asking Him to forgive you of your sin trusting Jesus. So if that's you, just for a moment, repeat this after me. Just say something like this. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my sin has caused me to be separated from a relationship with you. But I believe in Jesus, your one and only son, that you sent on this earth to die for me. And I believe that he loves me and can forgive me. And I thank you for the cross, and I want to live for you the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And I want to follow you and surrender to you. In Jesus' name. If you, um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or anything like that. Um, you, can, you can look at me. Um, if, if, you, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I just felt the Spirit leading to do that right now. Um, instead of waiting, um, if you prayed that prayer, here's what I want to ask you to do at the end of the service. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just find somebody sitting around you because they, they know the gospel. They'll share the gospel with you, encourage you, um, and, and, and pray with you. Um, or I'll be available, or any of our pastors will be available at the end of the service down here. Um, and you can come talk to us about that as well. Um, I promise the people sitting near you, even if you don't know them, they, they won't bite. They're good people. Um, and they'll be glad to share, share more with you. Uh, but I just, I just sense that some, um, some of us in here needed to do that first thing, uh, before we moved on this morning. 
Um, I do want to, as we continue on with our service, um, our church routinely recognizes uh, men in our church that have served as deacons and have faithfully served this body um, in the deacon role for many, many years. Uh, we, we do deacon emeritus recognition for uh, those men, and they also become deacon emeritus um, when they turn 75. Um, now, the man that I'm going to introduce to you, he doesn't look a day past 21, um, uh, but he's been serving this body faithfully as a deacon for many, many years. And uh, I'm going to ask Dan Kirkley, many of you know him, if he'd please come forward. Um, like I told you, he doesn't look past 21. Um, but Dan is a faithful brother, and he has been serving this body for many, many years as a deacon in our church. Um, he is a man that shares the gospel faithfully, that loves the word of God and teaches. Um, and he has been a he's been a wonderful brother to me um, and to many of you in the service as deacon. Um, I was privileged to get to travel with Dan uh, to India, and uh, we had a great time chasing Mark Cox around. Um, and we had a wonderful time together uh, celebrating and sharing the gospel uh, in India. And so I love Dan Kirkley. And uh, this is a, um, a, a token of our appreciation. It's a plaque. Um, and church, I want you to celebrate and honor him and what the Lord has done in him. It says, uh, Dan Kirkley, in appreciation for 36 years of deacon service to First Baptist Belton. Love you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. We also had uh, two other deacon emeritus in the first service, uh, Tex Phipps and uh, Ralph Masters. And uh, Ralph Masters is, has served um, over 40 years as a deacon in our church. And uh, Tex Phipps has been over 30 years. And so great men of God um, that have served faithfully here. And so thank you for celebrating what God has done um, in and through Dan. I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. That's where we'll, we'll begin this morning. I began a series last week called For the Church. And really the direction of this series is over the next few weeks. We're just going to spend some time together looking at instructions from God's Word for the church. And these are specific instructions that, are, that help us know how to, how to be as a body of Christ. Um, it'll help us be healthy and vibrant as a church. And as I was thinking about it this week, what I, what I came to realize is that even though we're focusing in, in these four walls, even though we're focusing on us and the health of the church within these walls, that if we're healthy in here as a church, the impact outside of these walls will be even greater. And so I just want us over the next few weeks to look at instructions from God's word for the church. Last week, we talked about shepherding the people of God. And so we were looking at uh, different texts within God's word about um, elders and pastors and ministers, men that are they're called by the spirit and led by the spirit to to care for, to shepherd, to teach and preach, to know the people, to protect the flock. Um, and they're to shepherd the people of God. And that is for the church. That is for your good. Um, and it is a wonderful time that we had last week looking at elders and pastors. This week, we're going to be looking at for the church, serving the people of God. Serving the people of God. What, what we're going to look at today 
and what we looked at last week, I know are, are very practical. They're helpful and significant because what God considers, what we talked about last week, elder, elders and pastors, and what we're looking at this morning with deacons, they're very important for the health and the growth of the church. Now, I know, like I said last week, some of you are sitting there and saying, I don't really know, I'm not a deacon. So what does this have to do with me? Why is this important for me? Well, one, this is important for you because if you're a part of this body, then deacons are, are important to you. Because they're important to the word and God's instruction. Number two is if you're a part of this faith family, you also are a part of electing and nominating deacons who will serve the church. And so what we're going to look at is good for you. And it helps you know what kind of men to look for and what kind of men to um, that need need some more time or men to avoid altogether. And thirdly, is there some of you that are sitting here that one day you might be an deacon. And so this is good instruction for, for you, not only for you in the church, but maybe for you specifically, because God may be leading you one day to serve in this local body or another local body as a deacon. And so what we're looking at is very important this morning. Before we jump into Acts chapter 6, I want to start with my first point, and then we'll talk through it. It's this, deacons serve the church in tangible ways so the love and care of Jesus can be strong in the church. Deacons serve the church in tangible ways so the love and care of Jesus can be strong in the church. Let's talk through that just for a moment. I want to take you back for a little bit. You remember the, the night before Jesus Christ was betrayed. He and his disciples had made their way from Bethany to Jerusalem to the upper room where they are going to celebrate the last Passover of the Old Covenant and the first ever Lord's Supper. On their travel from Bethany to Jerusalem, it was dusty, dirty roads. And as they arrived to the upper room, there would have been a servant who would have gone about the menial task of washing feet. And when they arrived, there was no servant there. So you can imagine that the disciples sitting in that upper room, looking at one another and wondering, who's going to do this? Peter, are you going to step up and wash feet? John, is it going to be you that washes the feet? Matthew, are you going to do it? And while they're casting glances at one another, Jesus, the scripture says, takes off his outer robe, grabs a towel, wraps it around his waist, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. He kneels down, and one by one he began to wash the dirty feet of the people that John previously in his gospel has told us would abandon him after this. And one would betray him altogether. After he finished washing the disciples' feet at the end of John chapter 13, John tells us that Jesus looks at his disciples and he says some very important instruction. And the instruction is this. He says, this new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, the, the world or all men will know that you are my disciples as you love one another. So Jesus, Jesus was saying to his disciples that, that his service to them in his whole ministry, in his whole life, in that symbolic moment of him washing his feet, 
most definitely in the days ahead as Jesus would go to the cross and die for their sin. All of that was an example to them as to how they were to tangibly love one another. As he had served them, they're to serve one another. Now that's very important because as you know, the gospel tells us that the disciples were having a conversation before they even got to the upper room about something very insignificant. They were having a a discussion, a conversation, not about infant baptism. They were not in a debate between Arminianism and Calvinism. No, what they were actually debating about and discussing before they even arrived to the upper room was what? Who's the greatest? These 12 guys are walking around and they have the audacity to look at each other and sit there and debate who's greatest among us. And Jesus, in that moment at the upper room, knelt down and washed all of their feet. And then he said, you treat one another like I've treated you. Now you might ask, what in the world does this have to do with deacons? Well, it has to do with a lot with deacons because God designed deacons to embody the example of Jesus Christ in the church. Deacons are to embody Christ's own service to his people, the church. Let's look more fully at this. Acts chapter 6 And we'll begin reading in verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve disciples summoned the full number of the disciples, and they said, It is not right that we should go up, give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Taman and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And look at the result in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. So the text tells us here that this dispute has arisen in the Christian church in Jerusalem. This is a church where good things are happening. There's church growth happening, and the church is very active in caring for people in need, especially widows and orphans. The godly Jewish people of old and the early Christian church, they were very concerned about widows and orphans and those who were in need. And they took it very seriously to minister to those individuals. But the controversy arose, right? There's some Jewish Christian widows in the church who spoke Aramaic or Hebrew, And there were others who spoke Greek. And the Greek-speaking Jewish Christian widows thought that perhaps the Hebrew or Aramaic-speaking Jewish Christian widows were getting a little more attention. After all, they were in Jerusalem. The natives there spoke Aramaic or Hebrew. And maybe they felt that because they weren't from Jerusalem, 
and didn't speak the same language that they were being overlooked. And so this dispute arose. And the apostles do something very interesting. I want you to notice in your text, in verses 1 through uh, uh, 6 there, what the apostles do not say. Before we see what they do say, what do they not say? They do not say that it's so important that we're committed to the ministry of the word and prayer that we're just going to forget the ministry to widows. They don't say that. They don't say forget the needs of people. Forget the widows. They can find their own. They can deal with it. No, they don't say that. They also do not say, you know, mercy ministry to widows is so important that we're going to forget all this praying and teaching and reading our Bibles and leading the congregation in discipleship in the word. No, they don't say that either. What they do say is that in order for us to continue to preach and teach and lead in the discipleship of the word, we need to elect men who can then serve the widows. We're going to appoint deacons. And so what you get in Acts 6, 1 through 7, is the appointment of the first deacons in the New Testament. The reason is, is because Christ's love needs to be tangibly expressed in the congregation, in the body. And the apostles, they cannot fail to devote themselves to the shepherding work of teaching and preaching and praying and leading in discipleship. And so the apostles say, hey, why don't you look within the congregation, within this body, and find, uh, find the man that can serve in this way? Here's the qualifications that you need to look for. They need to be men who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. They need to be qualified. They need to be men who can serve in this way. So they go off and they look for the men in the congregation. They come back and they say, hey, we've got these guys for you. And the apostles then pray over them and lay their hands on them. And they begin to serve in this way. Now, I want you to remember what Jesus said. Jesus has told his disciples that their witness to the world will depend on the way that they tangibly love and serve one another. The world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so what is the reason for deacons in the church? What is this saying to us? Deacons exist so that the love of love and care of Jesus can be strong in the church. And so that the ministry of the word and prayer can thrive in the church. Under the direction of the elders and pastors. And so deacons, deacons are a gift to the body. Deacons are a gift to the church so that the church will love in both word and deed. And the gospel ministry is a ministry of word and deed and neither must be neglected. And so it's for the church's well-being to have two distinct groups, elders and pastors and deacons that are devoted to fostering both word and deed in the ministry of the church. And so the deacons work complements the elders' ministry of shepherding the body. And the deacon is to lead in meeting people's needs in the church and serving the church. So being a deacon is an office of service and deed. But more importantly than any of that, if you're a deacon in this room, your service embodies the example of Jesus Christ. 
Now, as I was thinking about deacons, and you might, you might have some misconceptions yourself, but I was thinking through some misconceptions about deacons. And while I'm sharing these, I would invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here's some, here's some misconceptions about deacons. One misconception in the church about deacons is that some people think of deacons as elders. They think of them as elders. Many of you, like myself, I was raised in the Baptist church. That's all I've ever, ever been involved in. Um, I was in the Baptist church nine months before I was even born. Um, I, that's all I know. Okay? You might be like me. In my, my upbringing in the Baptist church, many churches don't have elders. And so that deacons in those churches, those deacons do or did many of the things that the elders are instructed to do in Scripture. And so one of the misconceptions is that deacons are elders. They're really, they're really elders. But, but this is important for us to understand, for us to be healthy and vibrant and growing. This is important for us to grasp as we begin to call a pastor and we, we bring a new pastor here. Based on the Bible, the Scripture, deacons are not elders. Deacons are not elders. Another misconception. A lot of people think of deacons as merely administrators in the church. What I mean by this is they're, they're in charge of the operational, the maintenance aspect of the church. A deacon uh, needs, to, needs to serve and they better know how to paint. They better know how to fix stuff up, right? Man, those, those guys better know what they're doing with some tools because that's what they're for. Well, we have a lot of deacons who are great at that. Um, and they serve in those capacities, but deacons are not simply administrators in a building. So what are they and who are they? There's a lot more misconceptions about deacons, but what are they? Who are they? Well, here's the second thing I want us to see. The church needs deacons that are godly, qualified, and love the body of Christ. The church needs deacons that are godly, qualified, and love the body of Christ. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. We were there last week as we discussed elders. You can see in chapter 3 verses 1 through 7, it talks about qualifications for overseers. So this is elders, pastors. Okay. Then he then goes into, in verses 8 through 13, he talks about the qualifications for deacons. And so these are instructions for the church. Look at what Paul writes to Timothy. He says in verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing these congregations to these congregations. He's given them instructions and these congregations are in Asia Minor, what would be modern day Turkey today. And he wasn't just giving them wise advice or counsel for them to consider. No, rather, what Paul was telling them is that this is God's vision for a healthy, vibrant ministry in the local congregation. 
And he was giving them instructions for the church. I want you to notice, first of all, as we think about the church needing godly qualified deacons that love the body of Christ, I want you to notice verse 10 and verse 13. Verse 10 and verse 13. Look at what he says. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons. Verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons. So the deacon's job description, based on the scripture, is to show the love of Christ and the body of Christ. He wants to serve. The office of deacon is an office of service, not just in some generic sense. The deacon is not out for power or prestige. A deacon wants to serve. He wants to help when people of God are hurting and he wants to aid them. The deacon wants the people of God um, that are in need. He wants to comfort and assist them. He wants to make the Christian claims of love real in the body of Christ. And so the office of deacon is one of service in the church. And let me say this, that the body of Christ thrives when deacons exude this kind of desire to serve the flock. And I want to pause here for a moment and just say that we have great men of God in this church who serve in that way. And I'm thankful for them. I thank God for those deacons in this church, those kinds of deacons in this church. But what are their qualifications? Well, you see this in verses 8 to 10 and then 12 to 13. Notice first that Paul, just like he did with elders, he does not give a list of, uh, of abilities that these men have to have. He never really says these are, these are what abilities they need to have in order to serve as deacons. He doesn't say that. What he does say is they must have a desire to serve and they have to have godly character, one who would faithfully serve in the body of Christ. Now, I want you to notice a few parallels. We're going to look at elders in and, and verses 1 through 7 as well. A, note, a couple of note, parallels there. First, like elders, deacons are to be good family spiritual leaders. It's vital that if they're going to spiritually serve the congregation, that they also know how to spiritually serve their own families. Notice also that they're to be tested in verse 10. You can see the writing there. It says, Paul says, and let them also be tested first. That word also is referring back to the testing that should happen to elders in verses 1 through 7. Let them be tested also, referring back to the elders. They're to be tested before they're appointed as deacons. I want to say that this is exactly what we do at First Baptist Belton for both elders and deacons. We check the character, the calling, the theological commitments, ministry desires of the men who are going to be put in front of you as elders and as deacons. I want you to notice also in the passage that the moral, moral qualifications for deacon fall into three categories. Three categories. They're in verse 8. Deacons likewise, again, pointing back to elders, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy or dishonest for dishonest gain. So first, notice that deacons is to have a self-control in their speech. They're to be self-controlled in speech. A deacon has to be one that controls their tongue. A deacon needs to be a person who is trustworthy, who is not double-tongued. Secondly, you can see in verse 8, a deacon has self-control in the area of drink. 
In other words, they're not addicted to much wine, as the scripture says. So this is a person, a deacon is one who exhibits self-control, especially in regards to those things that are intoxicating or addictive. And finally, the scripture tells us that a deacon needs to exhibit self-control in the area of money. So they need to be self-controlled in their speech, self-controlled in what they consume or don't consume, and self-controlled in the area of money. Now, again, I want to take you back to Acts. You don't have to turn there, but remember what the dispute was. And so these deacons, as described in Acts chapter 6, they would have been the ones in charge of taking the alms or the, or the benevolence gifts that were given. And they were responsible to disperse those and make sure they were dispersed rightly to the people who were in need, those widows who were in need. And so the deacon needs to be trusted with money. And they don't need to be after dishonest gain. So deacons desire to serve and they have Christ-like character. I want you to notice two more things and then we're done. Look at verse 9. We've already talked a little bit about it. Verse 9. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Now this is an interesting distinction. If you look back at 1 through 7 where Paul is giving instructions to elders... One thing that you'll notice is that elders are required to be able to teach. Deacons, based on the scripture in 8 through 13, deacons are not required to be able to teach. They can be able, but they're not required. But they are required, based on verse 9, to what? They are required to hold to biblical faith with a clear conscience. In other words, they have no doubt about the truth of God's word. I want you to notice why this is significant. It's significant because this is how God wants love and care to be tangibly ministered by God's people who wholeheartedly believe and hold to the word of God. God wants deacons in the local congregation to be sound and committed to the word of God. Finally, if you look at verse 13, I'm almost done. Stick with me. If you look at verse 13. I love this. And if you're a deacon sitting in here, this is, this is good stuff. If you look at verse 13, I want you to see that Paul speaks to the whole issue of the reward of the deacon. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. And also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I bet you remember Jesus' words. He said the last will be first. What Paul is doing, he's just reiterating those words. He's just echoing that truth. Paul is saying in, the cha- in verse 13 that those who serve in this often unnoticed and often behind the scenes work as a deacon. They will be rewarded with high standing. As I was, as I was studying this and preparing for this, I, I, I couldn't help but think of men in my life that I've, I've noticed, not just in this church, but in other churches, men who have gone on to be with the Lord that served well as a deacon. And they were respected by the body. But not only men who have gone on to be with the Lord, but men both within this church and, and other churches that I've been a part of, men that, that they're just rewarded with high standing because they've served well. You probably can think of some as 
you consider that. But Paul goes on to say, finally, that they will also have great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. They will have great assurance and courage and boldness and freedom. And here's why. Because the truth is that most people who give themselves away, most that die to themselves, die to their own desires, their own agendas, those are the ones who lived with the mo- live with the most freedom and the most joy and the most satisfaction and the most fulfillment in life. And so as deacons give themselves away in serving, they attain high standing and great confidence in the Lord. So church deacons, they're for the church. They're a gift to this body. Deacons, I also want to encourage you. You're an example to us. Because your responsibility, by what, by what you do in responsibility, all of us ought to do by love. And so you serve as an example to us. As the world sees us love one another, the world will know that we're his disciples. And so the work of the deacon, just like the work of the elder, is vital to the health and witness of the church. And if we're healthy within here, the impact it will have outside is great. And when we love one another in this way, the world sees God's power and presence in our midst and the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And my prayer is that God would help us to love like that. What I want to ask as we move into a time of, of, of response, it's going to be a little different this morning. Um, because we've, we've sung and had baptisms, we're not going to have a, a formal invitation. But we are going to have a time of response where I'm just going to ask you to pray a few things. The first thing that I want us to do in, in, in this time of response is, is similar to last week. I had the elders that are going to be serving this year come up front. Um, what I'm going to ask is if you are an active deacon or you have served as a deacon in the body of First Baptist Belton, if you would please just stand uh, where you are. Go ahead. I'm not going to test you or anything like that. If you're an active deacon or you have served as a deacon in this body. Church, I want you to look around um, around you, both in the balcony and on the lower floor. These are, these are men who, who are here to serve you. They're men who take this serious. They're men who have been called by God to serve this body. These are great men who love the Lord and have served you well. Many of them, as I'm looking at them, many of them for many years. And it's exciting. These men love this church and they're here to serve this body. Deacons that are standing and those that are online with us, I want to thank you for your service to this church, to this body of Christ. You're needed and you help us in, the, in a great way by showing the love and care of Jesus Christ um, in this body. And so I want to thank you for that. Um, as we enter in, stay standing, as we enter into a time of response, church, what I would like us to do, Matt's going to play for a moment. If you're around the deacon, um, if you would just extend your hands out toward them. And I just want us to pray first and thank God for our deacons. Um, to pray for future deacons in our church that will be called to serve this faith family. Um, and I just want us to pray for these men um, and those men who are online with us and in the first service that are serve as deacons. Uh, we have a great deacon body, um, about over 80-something men serve as deacons in this church. And uh, so I just want us to spend a moment praying, and then I will pray, and I'm going to have you uh, pray in another way here in just a second. So let's pray for our deacons just for a moment.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these men, deacons that have faithfully served this body, that have used the gifts that you've given them, many of them serving widows within our church and serving to meet the needs of people. And God, I thank you for the calling that you've placed upon them within this body. Lord, I pray that we as a church would come alongside them to express love and care in tangible ways in this body. Lord, I pray that we would encourage them. I pray that we would pray for them. Lord, I thank you for each of them in the ways that they serve. Lord, our, our church is strong and vibrant because of men like these deacons that serve you. So God, we celebrate them. We thank you for them. We thank you for what you're doing in and through them. And God, I pray that you'd continue to use them in powerful, powerful ways in the days ahead. Lord, I pray that there's some men sitting in here right now that they're not serving as a deacon. But God, they're qualified. They're, they're godly men. So God, I pray that you would just stir within their own hearts the desire to serve in this way. Whether it's in this church or in a church in the future that they're, they're a part of. So God, we thank you for their work. We thank you for what they mean to this church. And may their impact be great as they express the love and care of Jesus in a lot of different ways in this church. I also want to ask you, deacons, you can have a seat. Thank you. Um, I just want you to take a moment um, to, just, to just pray for yourself. Um, are, you, are you serving in this church? Are you using the gifts and abilities that God has given you to serve? Yeah, you may not be a deacon, but that doesn't mean that you can't serve. In what ways are you serving? In what ways are you gifted and you can serve this body? And ask God to give you opportunity to show you ways that you can be a part of this faith family, to strengthen it, to encourage it, to make it thrive. If you are using those gifts and those abilities, thank God for the ministry that you're in and those the people that you're impacting. And just take a moment, just spending time in prayer um, and asking God to continue to use you and your gifts and abilities that he's given you. And then I'll close us in prayer and I'll have a few announcements for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person in this room. And your scripture is very clear that that you give gifts, spiritual gifts, to your children and they're to use them to edify to encourage the body and so God I pray for each individual sitting in this room that you would you would encourage them to to utilize those gifts to find ways to to use those within this church to strengthen to encourage to challenge to make us stronger because God as we're as we're strong in here and healthy in here, as your scripture teaches, the impact that we'll have in the world will be great because they will see by our love and service to one another that we're truly your disciples. So God, help us to do that in the days ahead. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.com. Org, or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.